right, God bless you for being here this morning. From the scripture reading, you probably picked up on the idea that we'd like to look at the life of Absalom this morning in our, um, in our message. And I think it was, if I remember right, I think it was a year ago maybe that Manny had gone through the life of Absalom in a, maybe in preparatory service. And uh, so I've discovered in my years of ministry that most people don't remember from one Sunday to the next what, is being, what was being preached. And so I don't think repeating a sermon that was done a year ago is going to be a problem this morning. So you know, I, find, I found Willie's devotions last Sunday to be tremendously interesting, where he went back, I don't know, you went back, what, 10 years or more, and looked at some messages, and that is quite commendable for you to be able to do that, Willie. And uh, yeah, most of us don't keep it together quite that long, so, yeah. So I'd like to look at the life of Absalom this morning, and I know that some of our messages on David, so we're at the end of David's life, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll wrap up <clears throat> the life of David with one more message after this morning, and uh, I know we look at David's life, and, and um, I feel like the messages are kind of negative sometimes, but hopefully a negative message can prompt a positive response, huh? A negative message can prompt a positive response, and uh, I think the positive response that I would have for my own life in looking at the life of David, especially in the last 10 years of his life, is to, is to, um, is to really think about how you want to live, how you live. Think about decisions that you make and the consequences of those decisions. So we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 12. And so we have Nathan the prophet coming to David. And verse 10, and this is, you know, we'll be talking about that, some of this this morning, verse 10. Now therefore the sword will never depart from thine house, because thou hast, thou hast despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Then looking at also verse 13, how be it, because of this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And I, um, I think of David's life, you know, a man after God's heart. Man after God's heart does what? Man after God's heart does what? Right. We love what God loves, hate what God hates. So we look at David's life and we say, we say, was there a problem with his repentance? Was there a problem with his repentance? Was his repentance incomplete? No? Was there a problem with his repentance? 
No. I believe David's repentance was complete. Was there a problem with God's forgiveness? No. No problem with God's forgiveness. I believe God thoroughly forgave David of everything that he did wrong, especially with the, with the Bathsheba and Uriah. God forgave everything. But the fact remains that sin has consequences. We will never get away from that. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap death. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap life. So we think of, we think of uh, Absalom. The first time we read about Absalom is in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. And here it's just almost mentioned in passing. But this is a loaded verse. This verse is loaded. Um, and it's talking about David's children. It's talking about David's children. Just reading the last part of the verse. And the third, the third child of David, Absalom, the son of Mekah, the daughter of Tilmai, king of Geshur. I'm telling you, that's a loaded verse. Because David, David had married Mekah, the daughter of a heathen king. Uh, the, the land of, or the city of, and actually it's, it was almost, Gisher was almost like a, a city-state, probably not much bigger than a, maybe a township today. And, and, um, but it was lo located on the east side of Jordan, would have been part of the tribe of Manasseh, and right up next to the, the Sea of Galilee, a very, very prosperous little area. Very, very prosperous little area. This, this, this little kingdom had lots of good resources from the Sea of Galilee and also the moisture that uh, was there. And so it was excellent farming, excellent fishing, and these guys, this, they were able to make some money. They did well. For some reason, David, as he was conquering and expanding the nation of Israel allowed this little country to remain. He didn't destroy them. The Bible doesn't give us this specifically, but most times when the kings would marry the, um, a king would marry another king's daughter, it was as a result of an alliance that they were making. So. Um, if you marry into the family, you know, so you're not going to go destroy the dead, you know, or your father-in-law or whatever. And so it was a re result of a, an alliance they were making. And so this would have actually taken place back when David was king, when he was king only of Judah. Probably when David was like 30 or 35 years old, he did this. Um, and we can look later at David's life, we could look at Absalom, 
and we can see what Absalom did and, and how he so negatively impacted the family. But look, at, look what David is doing here. Right here, David makes two decisions to disobey what God had asked them to do in the land of Canaan. The one was that they were to destroy the heathen in the land, the idol worshipers. They were to destroy them. David allowed this little kingdom to continue to exist. And often they would, the kings would do that because there was financial advantage. So the king, David, could, there's numerous ways they did that. So they could, David could have taxed this little country and so he was getting money from it, or he could have had access to some of the resources they had. So this little country was like a breadbasket for the nation of Israel. So maybe David saw that, you know what, I, I'm going to let them go because they're doing well and they can supply us with food and maybe fish from the Sea of Galilee. <coughs> but right here we have two compromises. Had David not... Had David um, destroyed this country like God asked him to, and had David not married this king's daughter, you, you, we wouldn't have even had Absalom. So right up front, we have several compromises that David made. And this was even before his um, sin with Bathsheba. <coughs> David and Mekah had, who was the king's daughter, David and Mekah had two children. The first one was Absalom, and the second one was Tamar. And we read about Tamar in, um, in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 13. We have the account of Ammon and Tamar. But, um, so they have, they have two children together. And um, Absalom then is um, like a, well, he's a really, really good-looking kind of a guy, but he's kind of a, um, okay, so excuse the term, he, he's kind of a schliffer. You know what a schliffer is? Yeah. You know what a schliffer is, George? Yeah, right. Yeah. So he was the kind of guy that, kind of, you know, wiggled his way into stuff and kind of made things work according to his own good, you know. And we'll, we'll be looking at how maybe some of the things David did kind of fed into that, you know. <coughs> but in chapter 13, verse 1, we have Tamar then identified as, Abs as he, she was Absalom's full sister. She was... Um, she was a daughter of Mekah, the heathen king's daughter, and also the daughter of David. And so we have, we have here uh, just um, a mixture of things taking place. And um, David, a man after God's own heart. You know, one of the things I like about studying David, and I know sometimes we get kind of bogged down with some of the negative stuff, but if... If David was, would have been identified as a man after God's own heart and then lived the perfect life, you know, I, 
How would you relate to that, you know? How would you relate to that? So David is identified as a man after God's heart, but we have lots of, lots of mistakes. And, and I think most of us probably can kind of identify with some of those mistakes. And so, you know, um, little compromises, little compromises. I mean, I see, you know, that happening around us, and I see it's easy to, to make little compromises in my, in my own life, you know. And, um, and so it's important to think about the, David and his relationship with God, the fact that he was a man after God's own heart, but he was not perfect. That's where we all find ourselves, don't we? We all find ourselves in that imperfect situation. We have the account in, um, then in the next time we read of Absalom, then it's in the account with Tamar and Ammon. So Ammon rapes Tamar and we have the after effects of that taking place. I'd like to, I have uh, found it interesting to, to track uh, David's life in kind of a timeline with his age as we go through this. And I'd like to, maybe some of this is probably uh, somewhat review, but I think it helps us to put kind of a perspective on things. So David was about 30 when he became king of Judah, and he reigned in Judah for seven and a half years, so that puts him at 37 when he was king over all of Israel. And so for about 13 years, we have David conquering and expanding the territory of Israel and uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, warf warfare and tremendous victories that he had in that. And so he was expanding the nation of Israel. Um, David and Bathsheba would have taken place when he was about 50. And then we have um, the account of Ammon and Tamar when David was about 52. And then it says that um, Absalom harbored these, this ill will toward Ammon and then two years later he kills Ammon. So that puts David at 54 when Ammon gets killed and um, Ammon, or Absalom then flees to his mother's home country. After that, he flees to his mother's home country, the land of Geshur, this uh, idol-worshiping place. He flees to that and uh, stays there for three years. And so that puts David to 57 when he comes back, when Absalom comes back from his mother's country, and then and then the Bible says that David allowed Absalom to come back, but wouldn't talk to him or wouldn't even see him for two years. And so that puts uh, David at 59. And after that, then we have Absalom rebelling against uh, David. And um, so probably David's and Absalom's rebellion there would have taken place with David in his early 60s. Probably in his early 60s. We're not exactly sure how many years to put with, with that. Uh, but David um, died when he was 70. And so uh, this is later, actually later in David's life. David was, was, you know, getting to be an old man when Absalom rebelled against him. The, the interesting thing here then with, 
with Ammon and Tamar. So David finds out about what happened there. The Bible says he, was, he got mad about it. He got angry with him. He didn't like it. He was angry about it, but he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Had David dealt with Ammon at that time, like he should have, it could have kept Absalom from harboring the ill will for several years and later come back and try to get, take advantage of, it, of that situation. David was powerless to deal with the type of sin that he himself had committed. David was powerless to deal with the kind of sin that he himself had committed. And so in chapter 13, verse 22, we have, we have family feuds taking place, broken relationships in the family, 1322. It says, Absalom spake unto his brother Ammon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Ammon because he had forced his sister Tamar. I find it interesting, I find it really interesting that as you look in scripture, and you know, and this is outside of scripture too, but when a man compromises, when a man compromises in his life, when a man compromises, it often, it usually affects his family. The, the very people that we love the most, the very people that we want all the best for, those people. And sometimes, and sometimes the compromises are even unrelated to family relationships, but they still affect the family. And I don't think there's anything that's that is hard to deal with as broken relationships in a family. Um, we see that here with David. Extremely difficult for David to deal with this. With Ammon and Tamar, we have the same, the same sequence of sins that we have with David and Bathsheba. We have lust, we have immorality, and murder. David was powerless to deal with it because he himself had been in it. Had God forgiven him? Had he repented? Sure he had. But there's something happens, there's something that happens in our lives with our, with our um, ability to deal with sin. Something happens in our lives when we, are, when we ourselves have been in that. It makes us powerless to deal with that. David's family, if you look at, if you, if you kind of read between the lines, David's family and the family life in David's household must have been a disaster. His family was a disaster. David was a great king. He was a great soldier. He conquered a lot of territory and did all, the, all these other things right. 
But his family came back to haunt him at the end of his life. His family would have been a disaster. Think about all these wives. Think about all these boys, all these children in the family. Ammon and Absalom aren't talking. And think about the ripple effects that has in a family when you have broken relationships. I believe, I believe Ab Absalom was really the product of David's family. I believe Absalom was a product of David's family. And, you know, so in the middle of this family, you have this lady from a heathen country. She's probably worshiping her idols and, you know, and uh, there's feuds in the family. And we don't ever read of a man having more than one wife in the Bible, we don't ever read of a man having more than one wife that was a good thing. There's a reason that God in the Garden of Eden made one man and one woman to live together for life. It's still the best arrangement. The other thing that comes through in this, so we have David making numerous, we have David making numerous consequences, um, not consequences, making numerous uh, compromises, and he's, yeah, making adjustments in his life to kind of accommodate the situation and so on. And even with David and Bathsheba, so it was David and Bathsheba that committed the sin. But the thing that the devil will never tell us in sin, the thing the devil will never tell us is that sin will always affect a lot of other people, innocent people. The devil doesn't tell us that. Look at David's life. So we have David making these compromises with the heathen king's daughter. Now we have Absalom. We have the, the whole nation of Israel was affected by this. As he ran from Absalom, as he, yeah, the whole nation of Israel was affected. But think about even his own family and the hatred and the, and the animosity and then the murders within the family and so on. Satan doesn't tell us how many other people will be affected by sin. Later we have <coughs> Solomon also marrying heathen wives, many wives, marrying heathen wives, and then we know his wives took him away from, from the worship of true Jehovah. I was reading through the book of Exodus recently in, uh, in my one year Bible I was reading through the book of Exodus recently. <coughs> in Exodus chapter 30, I, I, I don't even have it in my notes. In Exodus chapter 32 we have 
Moses on Mount Sinai for 40 days. He comes back and the children of Israel are worshiping the calf. But notice the mixture of notice the mixture of good and bad that we find in you know most times most times when uh, we're dealing with a um, a backslidden kind of or a wrong situation it's not all wrong it's a mixture of good and evil some some things are good and some things are not good so here here uh, so Moses had come down from the mountain <coughs> earlier had given the children of Israel the list of feasts and all the burnt offerings and peace offerings and everything else the people were to do. And then he went back up in the mountain and he was there for 40 days. He comes back and they're worshiping the calf. And so we have the people giving Aaron their earrings and so on. <coughs> and Aaron makes his calf. And then Aaron says to the people, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Isn't that strange? They made a calf. They're going to worship this calf. And Aaron says, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. A mixture of good and evil, right? And they rose up early on the morrow and offered bird offerings and peace offerings. And these were... And they went, they were going by some of the instructions that God had just given Moses concerning their worship in the tabernacle. Let's go, let's have offerings, burnt offerings and peace offerings, but they're doing it to the calf. And Aaron says, let's worship the Lord tomorrow. A mixture of good and evil, good and bad, mixture. There's a lot of details in the story here with um, Absalom and uh, David and Absalom taking over the throne. <coughs> and uh, we had that in the scripture reading here this morning. But there's a few things I'd like to notice here. Um, We read of a man by the name of Ahithophel in um, chapter 15, about verse 31, I think it is. We read of a man named Ahithophel, and it says that Ahithophel's, and he was a counselor to David. It says Ahithophel's counsel was as the oracle of God. This guy was smart. And this guy knew how to give good counsel. And David relied on him as a counselor. But when David, but when Absalom decided to be the king and take over the throne, Ahithophel switched sides and went with Absalom. Why did he do that? Now, if you read, and I don't have the reference here, but if you read at another place, I think that comes through in First Chronicles, Ahithophel was the father of Bathsheba. And David would have, would have had his sin with Bathsheba about 10 years before that, but Ahithophel was obviously harboring some things here. 
Ahithophel was obviously harboring some things here. And when he had a chance, when he had a chance to, to turn on David, he took it. When he had a chance to turn on David, he took it. And David knew that if Ahithophel switches sides, he's also going to give Absalom good counsel. And so David sent Ahushai into Jerusalem as a traitor to give counsel that would counter the counsel of Ahithophel. That's exactly what happened then. Uh, and then the other thing that factors in here is that Ahithophel's son, Ahithophel's son was a good friend of Uriah. So you have, you have things coming into this, you know. Um, and so you go back to, um, you go back to 15, I think it's 1532. It talks about um, Hushai, the archite, came to meet him. Um, and David says, return to the city, return to the city and act like a traitor, and act like a traitor. And that's what he did. So when David left Jerusalem, and the Bible says that David would have left Jerusalem after Absalom proclaimed himself king. He left Jerusalem because he didn't want bloodshed in the city of God. In the city of God. So David left Jerusalem so that there would be no war in the city. And David left Jerusalem. Uh, there's a verse there that talks about the, the king and his men leaving. They were barefooted and weeping. Leaving the city, barefooted and weeping. David was at the bottom here. David was at the bottom. But Ahithophel counsels Absalom, and he says, go after David right away. Go after David right away. He says, I'll get David and everybody else can be spared. And Absalom says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And the people that were with him said, that, that's, that sounds like a good idea. And then Absalom says, Hushai, what do you think I should do? And Hushai says, you absolutely don't want to go after David right away because he's like a, he's like a bear that's just been robbed of her, well, of her cubs. You know, He's going to be angry and you don't have a chance. You won't have a chance with David. And then they decided to take Hushai's counsel. Had they followed Ahithophel's counsel, David probably wouldn't have had a chance. But because they followed Hushai's counsel, it gave David a, a little time to regroup. He moved into a little city close by there. He moved into the city. He was able to regroup and pull his soldiers together, and he had commanders over various uh, parts of the army, and when Absalom came to fight, they were ready. But had they gone after David that night, they probably, David probably wouldn't have had a chance. But the Bible says that, that um, Ahithophel's counsel was, was, um, was taken... Um, they didn't follow Ahithophel's counsel because the Lord was in this. So the Lord was sparing David. David was given time. 
He moved into a city, he regrouped, and then he was able to defeat Absalom. And then we have Absalom's death. Um, we, find, uh, we find that um, David was at the bottom when he left Jerusalem. David was at the bottom. Uh, he was 60-some years old. He was, uh, you know, an old man, and, and he didn't have the energy like he would have younger, when he was younger, and, and he, would had, he had to deal with this. There's a fellow here yet that I'd like to talk about a little. His name was Shimei. Shimei, um, if you look at chapter 19, verse 18. We have this man. It's Okay, let me read this verse. And there went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, Shimei the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he, as he had come over the Jordan. Okay, I'm, I'm going to need to go back here a little bit. Okay, let's go, to, let's go to chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. Chapter 16, verses 5 and 6. And when David came to um, Bucharam, behold, there came thence out, out, of, out a man of the family of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, and he came forth and cursed still as he came. Then go to uh, verse uh, 13. And David and his men went by that way, and Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And so we have this man from the house of Saul that came out and harassed David as they were leaving. If you go back to, I think it's verse 9, one of the men from David's army said, hey, let me just go out and kill this man. But David's response to this cursing is interesting because in the next verses here, uh, David says the Lord was in this. The Lord was in this. And I believe David saw, David knew that what he was experiencing was a consequence of his sin. And, and for that reason, he didn't want Shimei killed. But later then, we have Shimei coming in and repenting and falling down at David's feet and repenting. But we think of David as being a man after God's heart. And this is extremely difficult for David to have left the city. He's an older man. He doesn't have the energy. He left the city, he was weeping, he was barefooted, he, was, he had nothing. People had to bring him food, His, he had a small army with him, but, you know, he left, he was at the bottom of, of everything. And then we have this man coming out and cursing him. But David says, the Lord is in this. And I think that's amazing, as we think of David's life. <coughs> We think of David as a man after God's heart. David didn't use this situation to, to um, be angry. David didn't use this situation to try to get revenge. He was able to accept it and allow God to work in his life in this. Uh, the next time, I'd like to do one more message from the life of David, and then we, we're looking at the last years of David's life. 
And you think about how all of this impacted David, especially in the last years of his life. Uh, David, was, David died a very, very different kind of person than he was back as king, conquering, you know, and, and uh, expanding the territory of Israel. We, we never read of David being defeated in a battle. Never read of that. So the most um, that we read of David being defeated was right here in, uh, in the, the account of Absalom. And we know that David eventually was able to win the battle there. But that's another mark of a man after God's own heart. So we make mistakes. We make some compromises. Sin has consequences. But when we're dealing with the consequences, it's important to see God in those too. It's important to see God in those too. And that's probably the hard part. That's probably the hard part. So I'm dealing with consequences for sin that I had earlier in my life, and now God is dealing with me. But to be able to see God in that is amazing, to deal with uh, the consequences. There's just a few things that I want to maybe recap a little bit from this message. One is that compromises, small compromises often lead to big deals. Small compromises can lead to big deals in your life, in our life, in my life. Often, usually, your family will be touched. by those compromises, even though they seem unrelated to your family, your family will often be touched by that. And we have the positive side on that too. So a person who follows God, honors God, is obedient to God, he's, he's um, a man, truly a man after God's own heart, his family will reap the blessings of that. Even though some of these decisions may seem unrelated to the family, the blessings come to the family through that. And so we have it working, we have it working both ways in that. I think um, we'll just close there with that this morning. Let's kneel for prayer.